You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Dax Nielsen, has been the drummer for the band Cheap Trick for the past 13 years, but he is also a multi-instrument studio musician and he has so many great stories. We talk about the touring life as well as home life, and we'll hear what he and the band have coming up this year and into their 50th year in 2024. So come along with me as I catch up with Dax Nielsen. Dax, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And and where are you right now? I'm in my new studio. Uh, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona earlier in uh, 2022 um, for various reasons, but it's warm here and I've got a suntan all year round. And (laughs) so I got my new room getting together. I still have a lot of work to do, but I'm all up and running. Starting to do trash for people when I'm not touring, which is most of the year. But when I'm here, it's great. That's so great. Yeah. And, and speaking of touring, so you are going back out really soon yeah. for like a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously everybody has the same story, but for the last two years, like everything's postponed. And then so 2022, we did 180 shows because we had two years of postponements and rebookings and all that stuff. So, you know, it's great. It means you work six months a year, but that also means you have six months a year off. That's the way I look at it. You know, it's not like, oh, I worked so much this year. It's like, well, I also had a ton of time off. It's Absolutely. Not three five days. So, yeah, we right. moved out here and just getting organized and set and get the kids in school and all the things. I but, yeah, love it. I leave and in about I, a week from today for the rest of the year. Not, not you know, the rest of the year of touring. So, yes. Well, and I was looking at your tour dates and I was just like, oh my gosh, you, you, you as, and Cheap Trick as a band, you tour a lot, you know, and in obviously non COVID years, um, you guys tour a lot. So it's awesome to see you back out and, you know, almost kind of like normal feeling, I guess. It's um, getting there. You know, it was the first re entry to the touring world was weird and so many rules, but these days it really feels like it's almost back to, to quote unquote normal. Like right. it used to be. We still don't do meet and greets, but I'm I'm hoping those come back. So bring some friends back and have some people look at my gear or whatever and just have because <laughs> it's always awkward to like, hey, I'll meet you out of the at the merch stand and all of a sudden you're out there and people see you. And I, you know, I don't That's consider warm. myself a, a rock star or a celebrity, but people recognize you and you're just trying to talk to your friend. You're like, oh, I wish we were backstage so we could just catch sure. up in the peace and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it'll, I feel like it'll return. It'll return to that. And yeah. it, and I, I know like last year, some of the shows that I went to, it was still, still like that, you know, just everyone taking precautions because no one wants to get, you know, have, have a band member get sick and then have to be off the tour. And, you know, that's there's no so many liabilities and, you know, we were in Australia, we were the first band. It was cheap trick, stone double pilots and Bush. We were the first international artists allowed back in. Wow. And it was like, we're in this bubble and there's all these people around and we're like, if one of us gets sick, we can't just like postpone the date and come right back in two weeks to fill, you know, to do it. So seriously, yeah, so nerve, so nerve wracking, especially when you're that far away. You can't just like, hey, we'll come back in September. And like, no, there's no coming back until yeah. two years from now. You know, you needed to make that work for sure. Absolutely. And we did. Um, 
And I think, you know, when you talk about downtime, like having having six months of downtime, um, I, th- I think we all view downtime a little bit different now, now that we're post COVID than we did pre COVID, you know, I, a, a lot of us got a little like, oh, okay, you know, this is different. I'm home. That's not normal. And, you know, um, I interviewed Ronnie Venucci um, for one of the first podcast episodes. And I remember him saying th- something that stuck with me, which was he didn't realize that there were flowers that grew in front of his house because he was never home in the springtime. Right? right. And that just like blew my mind because it was such a perfect image of kind of missing that. Um, and I'm just wondering if that changed for you too, as far as like your priorities go, being home and the, the family time and all of that. Absolutely. I have two little kids, five and six years old, and now I have a six month old puppy. So when I was single, I never I fly me home for Christmas Day. And then I got married and like, okay, like, can I come home every two and a half weeks at least for a few days? And then you have kids are like, how little do I have to work in order to make everything I need to make so I could be with these guys? So then, you know, the, the pandemic happened and I got to spend 18 months watching my little guys grow up. And it's, you know, as you know, you have children every day. They're different. Yes. It's going to be hard to go back on the road, but now it's like, it's going to be good. And, and you know, we've all settled into a a groove and a a routine, if you will. And I'm now I'm just like hungry to go back on the road because I've been home, you know, so long. Which is a good feeling too, right? Yeah. We worked so much last year, but even then you come home and I can switch that gear. Like, Mm-hmm. Take my take my boots off and put my slippers on and, and get on the floor and play with my kids. And for sure, home studio. So I'm, you know, do tracks for people, which I you know prior to the pandemic I never had because we worked so much. And then I got a bunch of great outboard gear and microphones. And for a year, I just did remote sessions for anybody and everybody that I could, and that got to be really great. I learned how to work the the DAWs and all that. And that's great. So now it's like a nice mixture between home home studio and the road. For sure. I, I think we all had to learn a lot about technology that we didn't, <laughs> we didn't know before. So that part I think was good. And the, the family time and all of that and getting, getting to see the kids, you know, grow and, and every single day with them. And um, you kind of realize like your time's finite, but you also have a ton of time. Like what do I fill my day with? There's normally like there's a flight and then, you know, yeah. the and then you have two hours before sound check and then you have two hours in the show and then it's, Onto the next city. Yes. When you're sitting at home, you're like, okay, I've, I've, it's 8 a.m. and I've got 12 hours till the kids go to bed. <laughs> right. What do I do? I. It so. is. It, 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 it was really strange, too. I agree with you. I mean, I was never home. I, I didn't travel, like touring travel that to that extent, but I was never home straight for like more than a couple of months. And so right. that right. was that was a strange transition. I actually took up gardening. Did you find yourself getting any new <laughs> hobbies uh, I, I mean i've always been like i'm a busy body no matter yeah. what so like i became a yard guy i became wow. a you know handyman hey we've always wanted dimmers in this room <laughs> so i learned how to wire electricity and not kill myself you know just all the the honey do list if you will just like sure oh, yeah, yeah i think we all, we all got a lot done yeah my house is immaculate everything was perfect in working order <laughs> And so that is so great. Um, and, and speaking of being home and being with the kids and all of that and seeing seeing them grow, you I want to talk about your childhood because, right, right. you know, you were born into like basically rock and roll royalty. Right. With with your dad. And 
Um, yeah. How did that kind of affect your musical leanings as you as you were growing up? I mean, the nice thing was kind of like my house now. I mean, there was always a drum set. There was always a million guitars. There was <laughs> a grand, you know, grand piano and just anything you wanted. Like if you wanted to, I've got three siblings, but only two of us are musicians. Nothing was ever forced on us, but, you know, I'd walk by and like, oh, that's fun. Or, you know, you can just literally pick up a guitar in the corner and just strum and, and teach yourself how to play. And that was always, mm -hmm. I always loved music and I was a really shy kid. I was never a sports guy. I was never a jock. I was never, you know, big and handsome and all that stuff. So I just wanted to like put myself in a room and just play along with my favorite bands and just dream about being a musician or, you know, I mean, it was it was subliminal, but like I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I went to college for a year and a half. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going to get a degree and what? So I can, but I just want to go on the road. So, I mean, I've been touring since I was 17. I'm 42 now, you know? Wow. One of those things. Um, but yeah, growing up, you know, I would, I probably went to my first concert when I was six months old or something, you know? And mm -hmm. when you're a teenager, when you're young, you don't really think about your dad as being that guy. You know, I knew he played music, but we had an 8,000 seat arena in our hometown, Rockford, Illinois, and Motley Crue would come through or Poison or you name it, Guns N' Roses. And they would always come over to my dad's house after and party, like, you know, <laughs> 80s, 80s partying. Sure. So I would, I would sit at the top of the stairs and just learn a lot of things I wasn't supposed to know about <laughs> at that age. So I did one of those things. And, you know, I remember Tommy Lee came over one day to my dad's newish house in like 88 he goes man i need a crib like this and then like four years later here's mtv cribs you know i was like i right. never heard that word crib but you know I then you start that. Hearing, this guy that i think is the coolest guy in the world thinks my dad's cool you right. know just little stuff like that but we were talking earlier before the interview you know we both live in small towns or grew up in small towns like there was no you know when he was home he'd still go to the grocery store and and same with when I got older and did the same thing. Like mm -hmm. there's no, oh, there's no, it's blue collar, small town. I never thought of it that way until like you go and actually see a show and you go, Oh my God, there's 10,000 people here to see him, you know? Yeah. So. yeah that's amazing. That's amazing. So those are the moments where you really kind of like where it struck you, like who he was, what the band meant to people and all of that. Absolutely. And then, you know, they had their ups and downs like every band kind of does and, when I was born, it was just past their heyday of like the Live at Budokan era. And then, you know, the early 80s kind of they, they sank. And then 87, 88, they had a number one hit with The Flame. And then the 90s, they went back down. And 98, they came back up. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then in 2016, I, I joined the band in 2010. And then 2016, they got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is, I mean, that's as big as it. I mean, that means you you affected people and, you know, your household name. So that. It's been fun to watch and, and it's good to be a part of it, really. Absolutely. Um, and so did you grow up listening to Cheap Trick music all the time? Like what was playing? What were you into? I mean, when I was a kid, kid, I loved like um, the Violent Femmes, Nine Inch Nails, uh, Right Said Fred, e EMO. What were they called? E EMF. You're unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like just, yeah. I liked you know, that era of music. And, you know, at one point, George Harrison uh, got my mind set on you. That video came yeah. out and had all the animals in the background. Oh my God. I was obsessed with that. I mean, we're the same age, so I feel like we have that right. same time frame. Yeah. yeah I, I think like that was my first 
obviously like the Beatles is just in your subconscious. You've heard those mm -hmm. songs in the car or somebody's house, but like that was my first introduction to the Beatles. I was like, I didn't know who he was, but I loved that song. The video was hilarious, you know? Yes. Yeah. But, and then eventually yeah. like, the Metallica and Pantera and I, my heart rage against the machine and all that. And then I, then I went to like the Dave Matthews era, you know, the night, the early two thousands. Like, right. And then I'm just, my wife laughs at me. I'm like, I'm going backwards. Like the Beatles is about where I start. And then I, who do they listen to? And, you know, I just yeah. love the old audio, you know, just four guys in a room playing music together instead of, you know, these, there's nothing wrong with the music today, how it's made. Mm -hmm. Those guys, you had to be perfection. You had to be like, you had to hit that song in one take. Yes. If there was a little clunker, as long as it wasn't so bad, you just left it on the album, you know? And that's, I think yeah. that's like the reality of all of it. So. I love that. And I feel like I bring this up in almost every podcast lately, but I have to because the Beatles come up every right. time and the documentary Get Back like sticks in my head so nice. much. And, you know, you just mentioned George Harrison and I didn't really understand what he brought to the Beatles. And right. like, you know, and I saw him as a solo artist, of course, like, but like thinking about, um, or watching that documentary and seeing his contribution and the first episode where his contributions were kind of written off, you know, Absolutely. and oh, it was, it was kind of painful to see that and, and see that strife, but seeing them come together, no pun intended. Sorry. But like, it just was, um, yeah, such a, such an amazing thing to see. And uh, my respect level for the musicianship went it skyrocketed for those reasons that you mentioned with the, them being together, figuring out the music and then watching the recording process. Right. So fascinating. And, and at one point we could go on for hours about the Beatles. Of course. You know, George walks in, he's like, I think I wrote a pretty good tune. It's like, here comes the greatest song you've ever written or like or ever heard. <laughs> They're all like, where, where did you come from, dude? Right. You're here the whole time. Sorry. You know, yeah, that's what I mean. It was just like, it was incredible. And like, and then the traveling Wilburys, you know, that, all that stuff. Oh my goodness. So well, good. The funny thing is I saw a meme the other day and like, besides Roy Orbison, all those guys were in like their forties. They're like my age. And you're thinking these, these old geezers, you're like, no, they I were know. Like, not even 50 I when that band came out. You're like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so so amazing i was also obsessed with roy orbison as a as a kid too like i look back on my on my musical like uh choices as a child like as a young child you know um between you know maybe six and 11 years old and that those were the the people that i love listening to of course influenced by what my parents were listening to but um it is yeah it is interesting um Okay, so so just another question too about you you discovering music and all of that. Did you always want to play drums? You said you you know when Tommy Lee came to the house, you were like, yeah, he's the coolest guy ever. Um, so how did that come about? Like, how did you how did you settle on drums? Honestly, I uh, my parents put me into piano lessons when I was in kindergarten, mm -hmm. all the way through all the way to I graduated high school. So I took twelve years of piano, wow. um, and I really think piano if you can learn piano, it's left and right hands. There is a pedal you use it sometimes, but mm -hmm. you know you learn scales, you learn theory, you learn all of it. And so, because I took piano, I grabbed a guitar one day when I was about twelve, and I put that on my lap, and I played 
like kind of like, do you remember who Jeff Healy was? He was the blind guitar player yes. in, in Roadhouse. But yeah. Yes. I taught myself how to play guitar like this, you know, and then eventually switched it. But I just, yeah, I, I have a good ear and I had the theory from piano and all that. And so, but my dad's a guitar player and my brother, my older brother, Miles is a guitar player. And I didn't want to be the third guitar, you know, the third string backup, sure. backup guitar player. And like I said, I was a shy kid. So like hiding behind like Nico McBrain, just like put all the cymbals and drums in front of you so nobody can see you kind of thing. Absolutely. I never, I never wanted to be the guy that was like up front pointing at people and look at me. I wanted to be the yeah, guy, yeah. The accent, you know, and I was the only drummer in the family. Nobody, they were both guitar players. My dad says he started on the drums, but I've never heard him play. <laughs> in my 42 years so um it just, yeah i mean I, I just kind of picked up all the instruments and i still play to this day so all my recording i can you know i do drum tracks for people but i'll also add keys or, or guitar if, or bass if they need be that's so, great i mean that's incredible to have that to be able to offer that right it's just one of those things i think any musician listening to this you realize when you're young like not everybody can figure this out you know like anybody can learn chords, but to actually like know what they mean and put them together and make it flow and, and work to, you know, not everybody has that talent. I can't throw a football. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm a decent golfer at best, but you know, mm -hmm. I, I can't throw, I can't hit a baseball, but I can play seven instruments. You know, it's like, you have to figure out what is good for you in life. Mm -hmm. and some people are great at sales, you know, salesmen or I don't yeah. you know. Whatever, you know, you know what I'm trying to say is like, Absolutely. It, it, you kind of realize at a young age, like, I'm actually pretty good at this and this makes sense to me. And like, I listen to an album and my wife hears all the lyrics. I'm awful with lyrics, but I can hear the bass line and the key and like, I'm like, check out that bass line. She's like, which yeah. one's the bass? I have no idea what yeah. you mean. Yeah. Isn't this bad? <laughs> He's talking about the love of his life moved. To, I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> so yeah, I just, music just kind of came naturally and it's just something I've always loved and I've been fortunate to it, my hobby became my job you know you asked earlier did you come up with any hobbies i'm like i don't have any hobbies because i'm like so immersed in music that's all i've done and all i love I like when i'm not playing i'm listening to music and absolutely when I'm on the road i'm playing drums in this room or whatever it might be you know so yeah i need to yeah. come up with but I don't have any other hobbies at this well, point. You know what? Like, well, you just said it, right? Your hobby became your job. And like, yeah. I say all the time, how lucky are we? You know, I don't play music for a living, um, but I still feel so incredibly grateful for the fact that I get to do what I love every day and, you know, and just be in it. And I just think it's so, um, it's, it's just such a gift to have yeah. that in your life. Um, but you're right. Discovering that like you have a talent for something at a young age is, is it's incredible because, you know, you focused on that. And like you said, you've been touring since you were a teenager. Right. So right, right. you got to you got to do it. Um, so, say, like a small world and like in this music world, like when somebody says it's a small world, world, it's like that's a good thing. You know, I'm yeah. glad I'm part of this circle that I know you and I know guitar players and, and drummers of all kinds. You know, it's like these are my friends, you know. These are people that if I wasn't in this industry, I'd think they were the coolest. I'd look up to them and I still yeah. do, but I also have their phone numbers now. You know? Right. <laughs> exactly. Great. Which is, which is, you know, we think is cool, but I, I'm sure that um, you have this experience with your kids where you're like, you're, you're like a couple of, a couple of different things. They don't care who's in your phone, right? Like that right. just like, right. just doesn't no. not, not impress them. <laughs> not um, at all. But, 
<laughs> but like the other part is, um, I don't know if you do this, but you mentioned picking out the baseline and, and all of that. I do that with my kids all the time. I'm always like, oh, did you hear that? Did you just right. hear that? Or right. that's my favorite, my favorite parts coming up. And my kids are just like, my gosh, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah. because it's, it's, that's what we hear and we want to share it. We get passionate about it. Right. It makes me jump out of my, my skin. Like when I hear something great, like a bass line or a cool yes. harmony or some drum fill that we all know we've all, you know, of course they, we can all air drum too. Yeah. Um, I always I pick, like when I think about, when I think about bass lines, the first one that always comes to mind, and I think I've posted about it numerous times, but um, time after time, the baseline and time after time, like just mm -hmm. kills me. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, that whole, that song is great, but the production's just wonderful too. I mean, everything about yeah. it. It's, yeah. oh boy, it's time. It all comes together. I, I, I wonder, like it's, that, that doesn't matter that it was from the 80s. You could listen to it now yeah. and be like, this sounds perfect. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, you said something else too that that struck me with the being a drummer and kind of being shy and being behind the kit. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that fascinates me so much because it comes up often that, you know, as drummers, we are able to kind of like hide behind our instruments, right? Um, not be right out there, not be face forward, not be the ones, you know, pointing at the crowd or or any of that. Um, but it makes us bond to each other, I think because we have that mutual feeling there's, and there's uh, right. And so like, I, I see your, your Instagram post and just like all of us, we, you know, you're out on the road and like the drummers come out and hang and they see you and we all have this like love for each other. That's unbreakable, I guess. It's true. I mean, that, that's the nice thing. The, the, the crummy part is that we can't see each other's shows typically. Like we're in the same town. Like I, I, right. I was with John Tempesta recently. We were both in St. Paul. It's like, Hey, what time are you playing? Eight. Hey, what time are you playing? Mm -hmm. Eight fifteen. Okay, let's have lunch, and then we just sat for three hours, just the two of us, versus like a, a backstage. I got to get ready. You know, I got to think. Get my. You know, it's just like we had nothing to think about but just hanging. And it was those kind of those are the best things that happen on the road. When you, I check Polestar every day, like who else is in town that I might know or that I don't know, but I could kind of weasel my way in and introduce myself. And yeah. Yeah, you know, and there's, there's people like uh, Charlie Hall from the War on Drugs who like, I was obsessed with those the band and I, I thought he was the coolest. And I literally just went on Instagram and private messaged him and said, hey, my name's Dax and I'm also a Ludwig guy. And I think yes. you're great. You, hey, you want to meet up sometime? And we've become like best friends, you know? Yeah. That's the and say, hey, like I would have never met him. And, you know, we send you to yeah. Christmas now <laughs> it's amazing that's the amazing part about it and that you know people complain about social media and i know it's not always the best but the connection aspect is pretty yeah. incredible and i think that as drummers you know there's a openness there there to, to other drummers i i don't know if you know if it's the same way with other instruments but like you just said you know send a message you send a message on instagram and you're like hey i play the drums too like <laughs> just I'm a big fan, you know. Right, and it and it's it's a yeah, it's a bonding experience. I don't know what it is about about yeah. it, but I love it. It's amazing. I, I the only like downfall I think to social media these days is you have to overpost. They have these algorithms like if you don't post a lot, you don't get as many likes. And like, sure, I yeah. rather post one cool thing a month or every week than like every day. I have to feel like I got to post a picture or a video of something. Um, you know, it's like save the good yeah. stuff. 
you know, don't put it all out there. Put the cool stuff. I don't know. Well, that's kind of backwards too, because you don't want to just put out the cool stuff because then people think every day is the greatest day of your life when right. <laughs> you're right. like, hey, today I did this really cool thing, but that happens once a month or once a year, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. So like a, I, you have to pull you know, you paint your life to look just great. Yes. I like everything's oh. perfect. Oh my yeah, goodness. <laughs> Who is this? That's Boshi. He's my mini golden doodle. He's about six months old. Oh my gosh. So for anyone who's listening and not watching on YouTube, cutest, cutest puppy. He's pretty sweet. <laughs> so adorable. Good boy. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, I have a golden, um, golden retriever. Who's oh, nice. So he's yeah. half, half golden retriever. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And they're the best. They're such, the temperament is so great. Yes. Um, okay. So, so I have to kind of like go back a little bit and ask you about um, your start in touring. So I know you were in a band called Harmony Riley, yes. right? That was that was that your first touring band? Yeah, I mean, because I, I started that band with my brother Miles. He was the singer, guitar player, um, and a couple friends um, in '97. So I'd have been a junior in high school, and wow. we just we would play every weekend. You know, I was it was a weird thing. Like we, in the Midwest, at least, you could play bars. As long as you were playing, but you had to leave. You couldn't like sit around the bar, but you were able to play yep. as, a, as a minor. So every weekend we'd play shows and, you know, we'd play the ice skating rink and all that stuff around Rockford and just all of our friends would come and hang. But like we got pretty big and, at, you know, at a certain point we were selling out the House of Blues in Chicago, which was like 1,500 people. And we just toured for seven, seven years, like on nonstop, you know, we made three or four albums and we got to like here. And just this is making it and we got like right there and then just kind of all decided like okay we did you know almost a decade and it's not going to happen so i sure. moved to los angeles in 2004 and got a job at center staging mm -hmm. my good friend todd trent who used to be who's with ludwig for millions of years yes. uh he's my mentor in life and in the music industry he you know he said i said hey i'm moving to la what should i do he goes get a job because you're probably not going to be getting gigs you know for the first five six seven months or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he helped me get a job at center staging. And um, I was just kind of networking, doing auditions and whatnot in the meantime. And long story, I won't even go into it, but through an old friend, I got the Dick Dale gig, who for all those, especially you, he grew up in Quincy, Massachusetts. Yes. He was the king of surf guitar. If you've ever watched Pulp Fiction, it's the beginning song. So yes. I, that, that was my first real gig. That, that was about 2005, it was about six months into to um, L.A. And I toured with him as much as he toured. You know, he probably did not many, but probably 60 shows a year. Mm -hmm. And that was my, you know, playing for he was 68 or 69 when I started playing with him. And I was 24, you know, so it was like I'd grown up around older musicians, but not that old. Right. But he went on. I mean, he lived to be 82 or something like that, still touring before he finally passed. But that was my first real thing. And uh, I learned a lot. You know, we, he grew up in the age, like, he was be around before the Beatles. So, like, right. you know, all of his cues, you learn, like, okay, when I put my neck down, that means stop. When I do this, it means, you know, I shake my hips. I hit all, like, those Chuck Berryisms. like, keep an eye on the, 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 guy, the main guy because he's giving you, he's telling you what to do. And, you know, it was just, it was a lesson in live music for sure. And being, it was only, it was my first time being a hired gun if you will mm -hmm. yeah you know i was in a band i was the drummer and you know 
a lot of drummers that are in their own band can be um, hard to work with. <laughs> think that they're the most important one in the band. Right. When you, when you finally actually get a paycheck from somebody that is hiring you, you quickly realize they're the leader and you're there to right. make them sound good and make them feel good and keep your mouth shut unless spoken to, you know, so that was, you know, like early mid twenties. That was really like the, my first real thing. And through that, I, you know, went on to do a bunch of other stuff as well. That's so great. And, and I recently saw a little clip of an interview of um, your dad talking about you coming in to play with cheap trick. And, um, and he paid you a really great compliment about your playing, which I thought was, was fantastic. Um, how, how was it to come into the band, you know, being like a family member and all of that? Right. I, well, it was completely uh, never imagined. You know, they were the same four original guys basically since 1974. Mm -hmm. uh, I've filled in a few times over the years when need be. Um, I was kind of like the go-to you know, I knew all the songs and I was close enough to be able to play the style that, you know, the great Bunny Carlos has. And, um, but I, I mean, I was working on my own, right. You know, you know, living in LA, I was literally three days from going to Germany for three weeks with an artist. And I got a phone call from management said, Hey, we, you know, something came up. We need you in two days in Austin, Texas. And I was like, I'm going to Germany. And they're like, okay, well call me back. You know, we need to know like right now. So I hung up the phone. I was like, what the hell just happened? You know? <laughs> so I called a good friend of mine, Brad Pemberton, great drummer. He used to play for the Cardinals. And I think he plays for Steve Earle and uh, a few other people. Just great guy, great friend. Um, and he said, even if it's one gig with Cheap Trick, it's cooler than whatever whatever you're doing now. You know, like, it's your dad, you know, and it's the band. Like, they're legendary. Mm -hmm. Go do it. And so my first gig, 48 hours later, no rehearsals no real warning was Austin city limits. It was the oh. first, first episode of the 36th season. I think like got cameras in my face and I'm up there. We, we were at sound check, like anything you want to run through and like, uh, the door, like, can I get out of here? <laughs> I don't know, but it, it worked out great. And I, you know, there was no plan as far, you know, as far as how long I'd be there or what I figured I'd sub until whatever. Mm -hmm. this 13 years. It's amazing. Yeah. I've been on four and, albums and played well over a thousand shows with them. You know, just every day you're like, okay, <laughs> this is, I mean, it's, it's, I was 29 when I joined, I'm 42 now. So you, you just kind of like the days are long and the, the years fly by, they say, you know, especially with yeah. music or kids. You're like, they do, they do. And you just, you just, really, right. You, you yeah. just put it in perspective for me too, because um, I remember getting a call from you when you did, when you did get the gig and, you know, to talk symbols right. and to think that like we were 29 years old when that phone call happened, that blows my yeah. mind a little bit. <laughs> and we thought we were kind of getting older or old, you know? Right. Well, we were almost 30 Dax. That oh was oh my God. <laughs> my knees didn't hurt. My back didn't hurt. Everything. Whatever. <laughs> it was so crazy. It's crazy to think about. Um, but so, I mean, the past 13 years and, and playing all these gigs and touring so much, it's, it, it looks like so much fun and any, any cheap trick show I've ever been to, you know, I, I saw, I saw the band originally with Bunny and I've seen you play a couple of times and it's just like so much fun. Um, yeah. you all look like you're having a blast out there, even, even behind the drums, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've never in my all years of 
my entire life, ever seen them phone it in. No, you know, you could be, you could be exhausted, you'd be sick in the dressing room, asleep until 15 minutes before the show. They get up there and it's, they, it's it, something, something clicks, and it's like you're back in the bar scene in the 70s with them, like just kicking ass, if, yeah. you know. And so that for me, it was always great because I, I could never, not that I ever would, but I could never phone it in because these guys who were 40 years older than me aren't phoning it 30, sorry, 30 years older than me. Yeah. They're not phoning it in. So I definitely can't, you know, so <laughs> that's just another good life, life lesson about working in the industry for other people. Like if they're doing it, you have no excuse why you're not, you know? Right. That's a really good point. That's but, very yeah, it's just true. A fun show. And like, like I said, it's just a rock show. You come out and, there's no frills, you know, so many of these bands have pyrotechnics and big screens and all that, which they're great bands, but they kind of, that helps the show, which, you know, sure. I think yeah. Drake is just, it's all about the songs. It's all about the music and the musicians. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And, and I enjoy having the picks flying around too. That's yeah, always right. like a fun it's part a of the thing. show. <laughs> you know, he orders a gross of a gross of picks every time he orders, which is like a $10. I don't even know. <laughs> A lot of picks. Yeah, it's a, a lot, lot of picks. Flying. Yeah. <laughs> so he's great. not even playing the car half the show. He's just throwing picks at people, which <laughs> and then people like you said that you, that's the songs are great, but you remember that too, like the, the quirky. Yeah. yeah, that's what I that's what I think about, and you know, part of the fun of it, right? Absolutely, absolutely, it's amazing. Um, and so, in in that time too, touring, having fun on stage, you've toured with so many other bands and like yeah. had the opportunity to meet and interact with, I'm sure like, well, even as a kid with the Tommy Lee situation, but since right. then, I mean, um, is there ever an instance that you can think of where you got starstruck or had a, an interaction with someone you never thought you would? I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, to not sound kind of jaded or whatever, like growing up around it, I've kind of met so many of those people my entire life that, Sure. I'm still like, holy cow, that's so-and-so. But yeah. you realize they're just people for the most part. Some some of them are aliens. You know, I won't name names. <laughs> some of these rock stars are like, well, who is that? Where did that guy come from? And there's no way <laughs> that he like went to elementary school and, and you know, had a paper yeah. at one point. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Cheap Trick's always been considered the, the greatest opening act of all time. They'll, they'll, you know, that's a term coming from them. Or other right, people. right. We open up for anybody and everybody. You know, we've opened up for... We opened up, uh, what was that festival? In, uh, the Download Fest in England. Yes. Like, we're opening up for metal bands, you know, and Phil Anselmo from Pantera, or Downed at the time. Pantera was done at the time. He's on side stage, and he's my idol. You know, that Pantera is my jam. And like, yeah. You know, and so we tailored our set. You know, we opened up with a song called Gonna Raise Hell. And, you know, we just played all the heavier Cheap Trick songs instead of, like, we didn't play The Flame. Or, you know, we still play right. a want me because... I don't care if you're a metalhead or not. That's still a good tune, you know. Absolutely. But but then we'll go open up for Pat Benatar or you know or Cindy yeah. Lauper. And then there's always the the, the like-minded bands like we did you know with Foreigner, a Full Summer, you know, you name it. Aerosmith, we did a bunch with Motley Crue, you know, Stone Temple Pilots. You know, a lot of the similar styles we do as well. But we can also Peter Frampton and Cheap Trick worked well together. Yes. You know? Absolutely. So there's, just a, there's a, a vast catalog of their music that they can we can tailor our sets depending on what the what the venue is. You know, if we're doing a corporate show, we'll play a 90 minute set of the greatest hits. Where if we're playing a club, we won't play half that stuff. We'll play deep cuts for the true fans. You know, 
Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So you can kind of tailor it to the audience. Yeah. They're one of the bands that doesn't have a set, a firm set that you like play on tour every single night and you say the same things, which can be great, you know, but we go out in there like the seat of our pants and just go, if we screw up, which we have plenty of times, if you screw up, start over, you can just say, screw it. We're done. We'll go on the next song or just, or keep going and just laugh about it. And who cares? You know, it's just rock and roll. That's a good attitude to have, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's obviously there's the space for the polished set that now these days everything's kind of, not everything, but a lot of things are on a grid and the sure. lights go with it. And like, you can't screw up. You have to be exactly, but we're kind of more like a jam band, I think. You know, just there's the form, but if we screw up, we'll just follow the lead singer. You know, if, if, just follow the yeah. singer. That's what they always you'll say, like, adjust. You'll, just, you'll, you'll adjust. You'll pivot, right? <laughs> he starts and that's fine. You know, that's great. It's gone in a second. Move on to the next one. That's so. awesome. I and I I have to mention too. You 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 mentioned um, that you're a huge Pantera fan, and I am as well. And uh, I Vinny was just such a um, great human being, um, you know. And I I know that you we were friends as well. Um, yeah. So so missed, but what a great guy. And I think he was someone that I was really intimidated to meet because he's. Right. You know, he looks intimidating. I don't know. Him, he's just like this teddy bear. You know, to answer your question earlier, starstruck. Like, I was 12 years old going to see Pantera, and all of a sudden, I'm hanging out in Vegas with Vinny, like having drinks, and he gave me his phone number, and he came down to see us in Texas. And like, how is this happening? How is this? Yeah, like, yeah. this is, I didn't even, I mean, you didn't dream that, you know, in the back of your brain, like, oh, I'd love to be friends with him. But like, how did it actually happen? You know, like, yes. my favorite hard rock drummer of all time. Gave me it's a now your friend, right? Yeah. 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 So it's just, it's a shame that him and, him and Dime are gone. Just two of the best guys in the world. It's, it's one of those funny things like Alice Cooper, you think like, oh, he's mean and scary. And then he's, he's a golfer, you know, <laughs> like Pantera, they're out there doing this. Then you meet him, they're like, hey, man, you know, like the yes. nicest guy in the world. So, yes, I, I think, I mean, I have, I've had that experience often, you know, and it's, and it's usually like the, it's usually like the scariest looking people who are the sweetest, like big teddy bears. And, Absolutely. you know, it's amazing. Um, I can think of someone who you met, who you may have been slightly starstruck by. And I'll mention Mitch, Mitch Zalotnik. Oh, okay. Mitch, of course. Yeah, Mitch. We have to talk yes. about that. Shout out to Audi Mute. Audi Mute. <laughs> coming, coming to do my studio soon. Mitch yes. is the greatest. Your place looks incredible. And all Thank the people you. you've done are just Oh my god! Every room's different. It's tailored to what you want your room to look like and sound like. Yes, it can literally do anything, right? It's like, incredible. It's a it's amazing. And my my space is night and day. The audio for this podcast is night and day. And um, right. we're gonna work together on some projects coming up, and I'm so excited about it. Um, Mitch Hi, Mitch. I know he's gonna watch. Hi, this. Mitch. <laughs> well, I'll clip this out and I'll send it to him. Hi, Mitch. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's so great. But no, I was thinking of Jimmy Page. Oh, yes. Right. You're that talking about an Instagram post. Yes. He's taller than you would think. He's like, really? he's like, six foot. yeah. I'm like, you think of these old British guys, they're going to be like, Mick Jagger is probably like five, six or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You just assume so. But like, here comes walking in Jimmy Page. We were in, we were in Tokyo doing the classic rock awards and uh, it was a, Jimmy Page was winning an award. No, Jeff Beck was winning an award. Mm-hmm. I, I, vice versa. I think it was Jeff Beck. Anyway, so Jimmy was going to do the speech and, uh, you know, induct him to the 
classic rock hall of fame or whatever it was. And so I'm backstage hanging out and all of a sudden here comes Jimmy page walking up just like, you know, if you're back there, you're supposed to be back there. I think it's like the attitude. Maybe you're yeah. not just some, like, some fan that's going to like geek out on him. So I'm sitting there talking to him briefly. He's like, Oh, so you're a drummer. And I said, yeah. He goes, what kind of drums do you play? And I said, I played Ludwig, sir. And he goes, Oh, John Bonham played Ludwig's. It's like, oh, you, oh, you don't say. I didn't know that. You know, just he was so innocent about it, and just like, oh yeah, John Bonham played Ludwig's. I love that so much. That's so was, sweet. Yeah. I mean, I'm laughing at the, just thinking about that. That actually happened. You know, I got to meet Jimmy Page, and he was like so innocently, like, oh yeah, you know, right? What's the like, world? My, my drummer played those too. Like, oh right, <laughs> right. Like so, so humble and unassuming. Yes. It was great. I mean, it's one of those things like it lasted a minute and a half before right. he moved on and was hanging out with Je you know, Jeff Beck or Johnny Depp was there with the Hollywood vampires stuff. It's like, OK, I didn't I didn't need any more than a minute and a half. I was going to say something stupid eventually. So like, <laughs> I'm glad he moved on. I have that memory that I was I was pretty cool and had that. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Short interaction. <laughs> right. That's awesome. I love Absolutely. that. Um, yeah, so that, that was the one that I could think of. Um, I can't believe yeah. I didn't that when you brought up the question. Like, oh yeah, I well, mentioned no, but it. Was, <laughs> it was a leading question because I thought yeah. of that one and I was just like, that, I I don't know. I, I think I would have a hard time um, with that as well. And I usually, similar to you, don't get too like tongue-tied or, or starstruck, but that right. probably would have, would have tripped me up for sure. Yeah. Um, I made it through unscathed. <laughs> Got it. You you came out the other side. Um, another thing that I think about when I think of you and touring and traveling all over the place is food, because I feel like you are. Well, should we say you're a foodie? I don't know. Is that the right word? I would, but I would definitely say so. There's. I'm luckily I have a metabolism and I play a physical instrument because I eat way too much. And I just, <laughs> I'm obsessed with it, and especially on the road. There's you know, when you live in your own town, there's like, there's a handful of restaurants that you like when you're on the road, you're like, I got to try something brand new. Or you go back. I can't wait to get back to St. Paul. There's a place called Afro Deli there that I love. It's an African restaurant, you know, just like, yeah, that's things on the road that you really look forward to. Like you look at the schedule and go, okay, I'm going to eat there. Oh, I love that spot. There's the, you know, whatever it would be. So yeah, I love food and I, I like to cook as much as I can. It's harder now with two little kids because Yes. You're cooking for the adults and then you also have to cook something else. It's like, I'll just cook something easier. Yes. Yeah. I often, I often cook two meals. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I have my, my son has, he has a rating system. So he rates. He oh, rates nice. Food. Oh yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I have a, I have a whole thing on my phone, like my notes called, called the road and every state. And it's like, you know, California, San Diego, you know, restaurants, bars, hotel friends like so i know when i'm going to see like oh that's right there's that one place i went to and sarah lives here mm -hmm. and i love that hotel that i'm at you know that kind of stuff so i love that for all the touring people and here's yeah, like a and guide to where you need to eat and drink and stay and hang it's out so great you should you should put that together that should be like you guys i feel like people would people would pay for that probably <laughs> i'll get it for free you know whatever right well that's true or that or that. Um, but I remember being in Nashville once and I posted, I think I posted that I was in Nashville and you immediately were like, Sarah, go here for breakfast. This is where you need to go. And I was like, yes, I will do that, Dax. I will, because I trust you. <laughs> yeah. 
I hope it was good. It was great. It was. I remember what it was. It was Biscuit Love um, in the Gulf. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. right. That place it is great. Delicious. Yeah. I'll never forget that because it was so good. But again, like you said, like that's something I would write down and, and be like, okay, have to go back there. So I have to ask you, where is the best food on tour? Is there a city that you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's where I'm uh, going. New York city. You can't go wrong. Cause there's just everything there, but on the West coast, I'm a Mexican by heart, you know, <laughs> like I was born in the wrong body. Cause I, I literally could just eat. It's kind of become a running joke there. I'm, my obsession with tacos and burritos is just kind of, it should, be illegal. it should be illegal. But, you know, I, I, when I get to California, then it's just no holds barred. Just how much can I possibly eat in four days? How much Mexican food can I put into my body, right? But I, I mean, I, we go to Japan quite often, you know, luckily, because Cheap Trick really made their name there. And I mean, Japanese food in Japan is just incredible. Yeah, and, I, and, and so much different, right? Yeah, I feel like. Right? It's, um, yeah, like everything else, it becomes commercialized, Americanized over here. But the, the basic idea, we all kind of know what Japanese food is. But then you go there and it's just it's just better. Their fish yeah. is caught there like that day for the most part. And yes. I, yeah. I just think food all around the world is just it's similar. There's so many different cultures that use cumin or cumin, however you pronounce it. Yes. You know, like Mexican food is very similar to African food, which is very, you know, the schnitzel is similar to, you know, something that is in Mexican culture. You know, like polka music is the same as Mexican music. If you're <laughs> like the accordion or oompa, oompa. Right. A lot Chips of, a lot of borrowing, borrowing and, um, you know, adjusting Absolutely. it, right? Um, and speaking, of, speaking of Japan, too, you know, one thing I think about Japan and food is the presentation. That's always amazing right. to me with the everything so... It's so focused on that, not just the taste, but the presentation of the food. I think Japan um, in general is that way. Like right. everything is so clean. Everything is so the way it should be. And they're always like 15 years ahead of us in technology. And, you know, right. I was, I was there one day. I was walking past a construction site and, you know, there's a big building. They had a, a fence around it, you know, like a, a barricade kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And also this cement truck comes pulling out. And four guys start hosing the wheels off before he pulled on the street because they didn't want the dirt to, to come to get on. on the street. It's like, that's a, a next level OCD kind of. Right. <laughs> but right. the whole country, the origami and all that, they manicure their trees differently. And right. Food presentation yeah. is great. And that country is just the, my favorite. It is. It is incredible. And one thing, too, that it reminds me of is... um. You know, I was there in 2018, so pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. and noticing, of course, you know, in, in Asia in general, the mask wearing um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and thinking to myself, how how smart would it be if we, you know, if I have a, a cough or a sneeze or something to kind of like keep that to right. myself, right? Like, just, but, it, but we never thought of it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something that we no, did in the 70s, maybe even earlier. Like, if you don't feel well, you put a mask on, and now it's become such a taboo, you know, of course, a providing topic that I'd rather not go into it. But yeah, they've been, of course, yeah, they've yeah. been doing it for years. It's not like suddenly there's this new thing, that, you know, yes, and we, we won't, we won't go into the mask wearing topic, but just thinking of the the mindset of you know keeping the tires clean keeping the germs to yourself like though that that thought process i think is Absolutely. interesting to see in a different country um and it's, 
think of others. Like I want to keep the street clean for the citizens and I want to keep my right. cold people so that they don't you know, like, I'm just trying to be nice to people. You know, that's kind of my, our yeah. mantra in life. Like just be good. Just be a good person. Be a good human, right? Be, be kind. Um, yeah. But okay. So, tra so traveling all the, over the world, if anyone wants to find your tour dates, right? So look those up. Yep. Get some tickets. It's such an awesome show. Um, who will you be out with on this this year? This year, we're not. We're going to do uh, a couple makeup weeks with Rod Stewart this summer. Uh, we did all last summer with him, but his production wasn't ready at the beginning, so we we skipped Vancouver all the way down the West Coast until we got to. And then we like we were supposed to go to Denver, but we started in Hollywood Bowl and then went from there. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go do Canada with him and the whole West Coast. Um, but besides that, next this year, 2023, is just a little slower paced and just us because next year, 2024, is the 50th anniversary. Oh, so wow. we're gearing up to do a big event, which I can't talk about just yet, but it's going to be, you know, lots of special guests and lots of cool things going on and just celebrating 50 years, which is insane. It is insane and, and, and incredible. Like what a milestone. Yeah. Not many bands can say that, honestly. <laughs> no, not at all. So so we should look for tour dates this year and pay attention to something announced about how the 50th anniversary will be celebrated. Yeah, that, that won't come out anytime real soon, but definitely we'll start promoting that later. And you know, it's, it's hard. I have a website. I think it's daxnielsen.com. I don't know. But yes, it is. Know, I play with a lot of other people as well when I have the chance. So I, don't, mm -hmm. I need to get a place where I have my tour dates up. You know, it's mostly cheap trick because you know they work so much that i don't have a ton of time but a couple weeks ago i, I drummed for portugal the man one night oh nice those guys and you know i used to play for brandy carlisle who's now multi multi grammy award-winning artist but you know i try to not just do cheap trick i try to you know when i have any free time i like to play with as many people as possible so i'll always post about that kind of stuff on my instagram and one of these days I'll dust off the laptop and <laughs> put my tour dates in on, on my actual website. But yes, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I do want people to um to see you play with the different artists as well. And and Brandy, I saw that I didn't know that you played with Brandy, I don't think. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, she's one of my favorites, uh favorite songwriters, you know, just beautiful. I knew she was gonna do well. Like I knew she was gonna because I, I toured on her second album, which is the, the story. Which mm -hmm. meant Matt Chandler recorded, but then I did the tour for that and then a, a year or two of other things. And I always knew like she's going to have like she's going to be able to sell out theaters like 2000 people at night for the rest of her career. She's got one of those voices and songs. And yes, I, I was dead wrong. She's <laughs> selling out four nights at Red Rocks and the Gorge and five right. nights at Madison Square Garden. I'm like, oh, I, I meant theaters like that, like <laughs> 15,000 a night, you know, so good for them. It's great. Happy for their Absolutely. success. Be a part of that at one point. Yeah, Which that's that's amazing. I went from that right, pretty much right to cheap tricks. I've been working. I'm happy. You have been. You're always busy, and and then and then the, the home recording stuff is, yeah. is just it's just amazing. And uh, I can't right. wait to see what what Mitch does with your space. I know it's. I should show everybody real quick. Give me one second. Speaking of audio mute, he sent me this. Makes me cry every day. So this is the material. Hi, Tracy. Yeah. Thank you. That's what it, like all the stuff is. That's my old studio, which is slightly okay. bigger than this little room. But he sent me this. This is made out of audio mute material. 
Yes. High definition printed, you know, so you can do this in your room, in your studio, you print anything you want. Carter McLean, I think that's here. McLean, McLean. Yeah. He just had Mitch come back out and he, like, Mitch did his favorite albums, you know, like his favorite jazz albums. He like made these giant squares of the vinyl, but they're audio mute product, you know, to so absorb cool. acoustical treatment. So I can't it's wait so to cool. see what he's going to do in here. It's going to, and I mean, it's, you can't tell, but it's, it's loud in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. it's going to be a difference. I can't wait to, to hear the before and after. I love when Mitch does like the before and after right. test because it's, it's incredible. And, and this studio space too. I mean, we're like, we're singing Mitch's praises and audio mute, but it really is incredible. The difference. Um, there's a, there's a before and after video of this space right. and it was so echoey. You know, and it kind of makes me want to do my entire house in audio mute materials. <laughs> well, you would think you would think behind you is real wood. You think that's real tile on the wall. And it's, no, it's like this. Right. Absorbent, it's it's incredible. It's I it can't is. say enough. Can't it say really enough. is great. So shout out again to Mitch. Um, yeah. And if anyone wants to follow along with you, Instagram is that the best place you're at? Yeah, that, that's my only one yeah. at this point. I, I, okay. I stopped. We don't say the we won't say the names. Instagram is my only one at this point. Yes. seems to be like, gets to the point and it's what I represent myself best on at this point. It's great. So at Cheap Trick Dax, I will link everything in the YouTube description in the podcast show notes so that anyone can just click on that, follow you, find yeah. you, go see you play, check out the band. So I'll great. We'll make music together too from this, from the comfort of our own homes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dax. It's been awesome catching up with you. And thank you, Sarah. I've been watching all these and I'm like, man, I, want, I would love to talk to Sarah one day. And then you texted me the other day and I was like, oh, I'm honored. I love that. I'm it's uh, it. It's been a lot of fun. And I cannot wait to see you again in person. Maybe when you come back through Boston, I'll see that's you or good. somewhere or another. You know, that's right. Yes. We'll have fun. Thanks for having next, me. Next we'll be flying, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly. And we'll go eat together. We'll go, we'll go find good food. We will have good food. That's the plan. Good food, great music, great friendship. Absolutely. Um, years, years, I appreciate years. it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dax. I will see you soon. I'll be there. Bye, okay. Everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.